This is Exit Vila, powered by BackSportsPage.com. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is Monday, March 2nd. Tonight, we have a preview of the NL Central. We are going to talk about the burning questions for each team in the division, potential rookie of the year, Cy Young's MVPs of the division, and over-unders of each team. Henry, Q, we have a great show to do up tonight. We know that this is Henry's division since he's our honorary Cubs fan. How are you two feeling? I am feeling good, Adam, but I do want to point out that we are missing the finale of The Bachelor to be here. Uh, so I just <laughs> want our, our viewers to appreciate the sacrifice. Uh, but I'm still looking forward to uh, picking out which one of these NL Central guys we're going to be giving roses to. Well, I, I disagree heavily. Well, that's the mentality of a Cubs fan because they ha- don't have much to look forward to. So they have gone so low to watch The Bachelor. So let's do it. That hurt. That that really just hurt. That dropped my jaw. I'll give you a rose. I'll give you a <laughs> rose. That'll Might be seeing a lot of Cubs fans sitting at home just – handing out roses to themselves, but regardless, let's get right into it. So our first team we're going to talk about is the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds had a ridiculously talented offseason. They signed a plethora of players. So my first question for you guys is, who had the better offseason, the Reds or the White Sox? Well, I I want to appreciate the way you're asking the question first off, Adam, because it leaves no doubt that the Reds did have the best offseason in this division, and it wasn't particularly close. And the fact that you're bringing up the White Sox shows that it may have been the best offseason in all of baseball. And I am inclined to kind of lean towards the Reds on this one. Q, are you with me, buddy? No, I'm not with you. I think the White Sox did because simply – they changed their culture. I know the Reds were bad, but the White Sox were like some next level bad. The Reds acquired Castellanos, Mustakis, uh, Akiyama, Miley, Akiyama. There you go. It's my buddy right there. Added Wayne Miley and the speedster Travis Janikowski. They have their centerpieces, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Bauer, Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto, and they have young players like Aquino, Senzel, Winkler, Van Metter, Philip Irvin. But they have not won a playoff series since 1995. Don't forget it. All these Reds fans I know always want to try and talk smack to me about my Cubs, <laughs> and they literally haven't won a playoff series in the whole time they've been alive. So... But but we'll get into that. You guys aren't Reds fans, so I'm not going to lash out at you. I may have to start the banter a bit early. Henry, you're batting zero. Hugh, you're batting a thousand. I'm going to have to agree with you here. I think the White Sox had the better offseason, and it's definitely a culture shot too because they really pulled out every minor-ish free agent, and they they had a fantastic offseason. They really positioned themselves to try to contend in the playoffs. They may not make it this year, but they put themselves in great position. I think the Reds did a great, great job too, but I think they already had some really good players. I think their pitching rotation was already quite there. They already have a good amount of outfitters, but I think just adding those bats like Castellanos, Ustakas, Aikiyama, very, very helpful to them, and they will go a long way considering this team was not too, too much of an offensive threat in 2019. But So I got a hand to the White Sox. Q said it best. Changed their entire culture. They helped themselves in a variety of facets. So I'm going to have to side with the 
the white sauce up there. Well, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one. What I really like about the Reds offseason is I think they brought in players that just fit so well into that franchise. Not to say the White Sox didn't, but specifically you look at Nick Castellanos is a guy who hits a whole lot of doubles just about as much as anybody else in baseball. You go into the Great American launch pad, and I think a lot of those doubles are going to leave the yard. I think his power plays perfectly in that ballpark. And kind of the same thing with Moustakas, too. Moose has a little bit more power than Castellanos, but that's a ballpark that could take him from 30 home runs to 40. And I think Wade Miley was a pretty good addition on the on the back end of their rotation as well. Uh, and then... Actually, both of these teams, the Red Sox or the Reds and the White Sox, took relievers from my Cubbies in Pedro Strope and Steve Ciszek. So those are both uh, high-end relievers that I think will make a difference for both of those teams, and that I'll be sad not to have pitching in Chicago this year. All right, enough about the Cubs. They're gonna stink. <laughs> Next question, Adam. Uh, well, Henry pretty much got into it, which is what was their best pickup, and I love Castellanos. I love Mustakis. Those guys who definitely definitely help. I think Aikiyama's under the radar, though, because he can play some solid oh. defense. He has OBP above 400 in multiple seasons in Japan, and he'll hit 20-plus home runs. And with Votto kind of starting to be in the decline, maybe he'll step up considering he has a uh, much rejuvenated core. But Aikiyama looks really good at the top of the lineup for the Reds. Yeah, I think that's another great fit, Adam. And I promise I won't make this whole thing about the Cubs – but that's a, that's a guy who I wanted all offseason. I knew the Cubs weren't going to spend a lot of money, and we could have had him for relatively cheap. But I think he's a great fit in Cincinnati as well, and I think he's just about their everyday center fielder. Uh, maybe he splits a little bit of time platooning and what's actually a pretty crowded outfield for him. But, Adam, you said it. He's got some speed. He's got great on-base ability. I think that he profiles as a pretty effective leadoff hitter. The best pickup was Nick Castellanos. The guy has been an under-the-radar productive player for years now. Now that he's broken out of purgatory, he can finally show the world in not a big market, but a bigger market than he was in and a better team for sure that he's a gap-to-gap hitter. That's his bread and butter. He hits doubles all day long, like you said. And I cannot wait to see him take over in an RBI slot for the Reds, basically. People don't realize that Castellanos set this insane doubles record. I think he had 58 doubles. It was ever last year to year before. And it was one of the highest amount of doubles in a long time. And it was like, it's literally rated like, I think, top 20 or top 25 all time in single season doubles. So very good pick. All these bats will be great for the Reds, but... The real, real question behind the Reds is, are they good enough to be contenders this year? And can they even win the division? They are good enough. Uh, I can't say that they will uh, win the division. They certainly, they've made the moves. They have the talent. And they are right up there in the discussion for the best team in this division. I'm not saying that, you know, it's a a sure thing the Reds are going to get it done. And I'm not sure that they're my favorite right now to, to pick them to win, but they certainly do have the talent. They had a great offseason, and they look like, you know, it's not just a one-year thing. They, they should be here for a couple years to come. The Reds are my pick to win this division. 
just I'm looking at the other teams in the division. The Reds stack up pound for pound with any team. They might have that fresh momentum of a, not as much of a culture change the White Sox had, but they have pieces now and weapons, and they are going to put them to use. Watch out for the big red machine this year, guys. They will certainly be a very fun team to watch, and they'll definitely stack up well with the real contenders in the division, which is the Brewers and the Cardinals, scooting the clubs for a reason. But anyway, after that cheap shot, we do have to move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. I know I'm going to hear some chirps from Henry uh, in this segment, but so for the Brewers, are we going to see regression here? They've been in the postseason back-to-back years, but – they lost players such as Lustakis, Grandal, Thames, Chase Anderson, Gio, Gio Gonzalez. So are the Reds going to be worse than in 2019? Yeah, I think they have to be. Yeah, regression is right, Adam. You look at all those players moving off of their roster, and then what do you bring in to replace them? You have Justin Smoke, Abisail Garcia. It's, it's not very encouraging, and this looks like it – Probably not the worst uh, starting rotation in the division, thanks to Pittsburgh, uh, but they're close. They they could be behind the Pirates. I'm not sure. I think we see regression for Milwaukee, and I would not expect them to make the playoffs again this season. Going to have to agree with Mr. Cubs. They rely on Yelich to be a demigod year in and year out, and as much as I root for the guy, you can't expect – bananas numbers every single year from Yelich. And God forbid he gets hurt long-term, the Brewers are in major trouble. So I say 100% regression. They might wind up third in this division. I certainly would not be surprised the Reds, I mean, sorry, the Brewers, checked that, ended up third. But on that note, I think you guys are underrating the players they got in the offseason. They got guys such as Josh Lindbaum, and Eric Lauer, who are pretty good in the rotation. Adrian Hauser can be a pretty decent pitcher for them. Brett Anderson's not bad. A lot of underrated players. And Nervias, although he's a very poor defensive catcher, is capable of hitting 20-plus home runs. Avicion Garcia had a career year for the Rays. So, yes, this team is very fragile because they do depend on their offense with Yelich. But don't forget, Kane is a good bounce back candidate. Braun is still hitting well. Keston Hira is great. Uh, they're they're going to apply for ARP pretty soon. They're getting old. <laughs> Come on. I'm not saying yet. Yeah. yeah, Braun needs some more roids if he's going to have a bounce back. But I do love – I love Keston Hira. I'm with you 100% there, Adam. I think he is their second best hitter already as, uh, as coming in as a second-year player. He's got power, he's got contact in his bat, and batting behind Christian Yelich in the cleanup spot, he is going to get a lot of RBIs, not to mention that's almost as good a hitter's park as any in baseball, uh, which I should say is part of the reason that some of their starters scare me. I don't know if they're guys that are quite talented enough to overcome the Miller Park factor, uh, but that's that's just a little bit of my angle and hating on their pitching staff. They have the slide which is absolutely the best thing in baseball. There should be a slide in every ballpark. For there really should be. I always find it funny how the guy, uh, their mascot, just twirls his finger as he goes down the slide after every home run. So that's pretty funny. But we touched on this main player for the Brewers, and that is Christian Yelich. He's had some phenomenal bat-to-bat seasons since he's joined the Brew Crew. 
does he win a second MVP for them in 2020? He's right up there. He's certainly like a top three candidate. Uh, we've been doing our division MVPs, and I think it's, there's no question that Yelich is, is the MVP for the NL Central. Uh, there's Is there a question? There's a question? I was just going to say I'm oh, not oh, sure he beats out Acuna oh, or Bellinger for the league MVP. I like him over Bellinger, but I, Acuna would probably be my pick for NL MVP. But, but let's hear about that question. Okay, so first, definitively, he's not going to win MVP. Oof. People Oof. in the division are getting better. There are people like Eugenio Suarez who could get hot. You can go team by team. I just feel like Yelich has been doing so well, it's like a balloon. It's eventually going to have to pop at some time. I can give you some names, though. Josh Bell could be the MVP of the division. Switch hitting. Yeah, he had a hell of a year. Switch hitting power hitter. You want another name? I also Say a Cubs. I also, nah, I can't do anything. You, you crazy? Nah, I'm kidding. Rizzo Ugh. or Chris Bryant could also do it. Javi Baez. Man, Javi. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some other guys. So, it's not set in stone, but... Come on, you got to shake it up a little bit. I always appreciate you appreciate you shaking it up, but as is a common theme with Q, sometimes he goes a tad off the deep end. You can look at any stat, any <laughs> stat, and Christian Yelich is set to duplicate what he's done the past two years. And he has he's an ama- he's a pretty solid defensive right fielder. He's respectable, he's passable, but his main bread and butter is hitting for average hitting for pop, stealing 30 bats. This guy is a 30-30, if not 40-30, or even a 40-40 player. So he is the real deal. That's not to say that Bell or Rizzo or Bryant can't come back and win an MVP and steal an MVP from him. But I would probably have to say that Yelich will win the MVP, at least or be the MVP central in National League. So we'll have to see about that. But moving on to the next question, why is the Brewers starting pitching so suspect, and what can they do to alleviate this problem? I I mean, it's not very deep to me. Um, I mean, what, like Chase? No, Brandon Woodruff is their best starter. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was going to say Chase Anderson, and it's Brett Anderson. So I guess I'm a little all over the place on the Brewers starters. <laughs> They they actually got rid of Chase yeah, Anderson. That's that's the Brett confusion Anderson. for me. A lot of a lot of Andersons changing hands. It's hard to follow. That's their problem, I think. You know what I mean? They got to just stop, you know, mixing up names and going after Andersons. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I do like Brandon Woodruff though. I think that he is is the closest thing, certainly, to an ace in that rotation. But then I, it gets kind of ugly to me. Adam, you sounded like you liked their starters more than I do. But what, how about you tell me, kind of explain the upside angle, I guess. I was I really did, I was making these preseason pits, or just trying to make my own personal preseason pits a little while back. You know, I was looking at the best rotation in the Central. We could argue it's most likely the Reds. But when I looked at the Brewers, and Hauser looked pretty solid in the minors, Anderson's respectable Cardinals. starter. He's not a number three starter by any means. Lindbaum had a great, I think he was coming back from Korea and he had a great outing. Lauer is very under the radar. And then you guys like have Brett Suter and Freddie Peralta who are not bad pieces. It's far from above average 
It's definitely probably not even perhaps top ten in baseball, but it can be a respectable rotation. Yeah. I think the rotation's bust. <laughs> Leave it at that. Next question. That was the last question we actually had for the Brewers. So let's move on to the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's no way around it. The Pirates are in the cellar, but they have a lot of young, efficient talent. So when's the next time they're going to make the playoffs, and how how legitimate is their young talent right now? I think they're at least three years out uh, with the potential for more. And that's that's a product of two things. One, you said it, uh, that they're just not being very good right now. But also with how competitive the rest of the division is, the, the Pirates are a clear step back from all four of those teams that, that we've already talked about a little bit before. And they do have young talent. I like Josh Bell a lot. I like Brian Reynolds, uh, even Adam Frazier a little bit. They, I mean, they've got good young hitters in their lineup. Problem is they also have some old bad hitters in their lineup, and the pitching's pretty bad. They're, I think they're a couple years out. Archer is still on the team, right? He is. Well, he he had a bad year, five ERA. So um, <laughs> if he could bounce back, you got Tayon uh, recovering from Tommy John. And what happened with uh, Felipe Vasquez? He's in the slammer? Yeah, he's not coming back. What did he do? Pedophilia. Oh, my God. All right, Pirates are going to suck. <laughs> yeah, like, he was actually one of their better players, but obviously uh, – Pretty pretty bad guy with uh, the evidence that has surfaced there. Yeah, he's going to, you know, the only thing closing is his cell, you know? That's, that is very true. I, you know, I, I don't think there's much to, to talk about as far as upside with the Pirates. I mean, yeah, like Josh Bell, that's pretty much it. But he's not even going to get to look as awesome as he is because he's going to get dragged down with counting stats from how bad the rest of that lineup is. And I think moving Starling Marte goes to show that they're waving the the white flag on 2020 before it's even begun. Most definitely. Could not agree more. Let's get to Josh Bell, though. Adam, uh, is Josh Bell the best home run hitter in the division? He definitely could be the best home run hitter in the division. He definitely has, I believe, the most potential to have the most homers in the division. Maybe actually check that. Second, Eugenio Suarez. But he's certainly up there. Suarez hit 49 home runs, which was the most under-the-radar 49 home runs I've ever seen since I've been a baseball fan, which isn't too, too long. But still, it was very surprising. But Bell can easily hit 40 home runs and is certainly the best hitter in the Pirates lineup. I have to agree. Sorry, the Cubs Cubs fans go less in this segment. Nah, I'm kidding. But my answer be quick. My answer be quick. He's a switch hitter. And he hits home runs on both sides of the plate. So I'll edge him out a little bit above Suarez. Sorry, Andy. No, you're good. I was probably going to give the nod to Christian Yelich. I think he's still probably taking the crown on that one. I do like the switch hitter argument, though. Switch hitters seem more of a rarity these days, too. And it's pretty fun. I mean, you definitely see Bell more as a lefty, of course, because of the right-handed pitching. But I also believe that he does better as a lefty. But he definitely is an intriguing and fun option. Another really fun option that really broke out in 2019 is Brian Reynolds. And he batted 314, which was ninth in all of baseball, tied for ninth in all of baseball, and tied for six the National League. Came fourth from the rookie of the year, had a 3.9 F4. So, guys, 
can he win a batting title in 2020 or in the near future? And could he maybe even be an MVP candidate too? Yeah, I'll get behind the batting title. I will. I'll need to see some more growth before I'm ready to talk MVP. Most definitely agree. His lineup will hurt him, just like I make the argument with Pete Alonso. Like, he was so good, and Cano is batting ahead of him sometimes. If he has pieces around him and that lineup's more well-rounded, he definitely maybe could. But as of right now, you can pitch around some people in this lineup for sure. Yeah, to be the MVP on the Pirates, I think you're right, Q. You'd probably have to hit, like, 200 home runs, oh, 300 yeah. RBIs. Like Jack that Sparrow. team is not winning a lot of games. But, yeah, I think Adam was talking more from, like, a future perspective, which down the line, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Anything is possible. One nice thing I will say about the Pirates before we move on is year after year, they do a great job of having players that look like actual Pirates. And and Chris Archer made me think of that. I really appreciate that. Because baseball needs more of that. Basically do. Like, Jack's, like, they should just sign Jack Sparrow or, like, a Jack Sparrow lookalike because some of the lineups they're trotting out ain't much better. You know what I mean? What do you have to lose? Give Johnny Depp a contract. It's called promotion. Uh, I think that's about all the Pirates talk that I can stomach, which means we're going to move on to St. Louis, last year's division winner. They didn't have a very exciting offseason. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, the notable departure. Um, am I missing anybody? Who'd they bring in? They really didn't. They didn't make many moves. I don't, I don't think there was a whole lot. They stayed. They stayed pat. They stayed pat. Yeah, I mean, and it was a it was a good team last year. To where I'm not, I'm not gonna like say the sky is falling in St. Louis. All of a sudden, gonna be ten games under five hundred. You you sounded like you may have been ready to go more in that direction. No, it's just I like Jose Martinez a lot. I thought that was a big loss. Ozuna's a big loss. Ozuna's a big loss, but they can stomach that loss because Ozuna's very streaky. And also, Miles Mikolas is hurt, but they really need Carlos Martinez, Jordan Hicks to play big roles, as well as their offensive sources like Colton Wong. Goldie and Dijon. Uh, dude, I love Jordan Hicks. Like, which, as a guy who's obviously, I'm a Cubs fan, so there's not a whole lot of Cardinals players who I feel that way about. But come on, a guy's throwing 105 mile per hour fastballs. How can I not get behind lazes. a guy like that? Straight lazes. And Jack Flaherty, we can't forget about. Shoo! That's, that's the other Cardinal I love. And both were on my fantasy team last year, consequently. And that second half, he was the best pitcher in baseball, bar none. I mean, it was like something. I think it was a sub two ERA in the yep. second half. He was fourth, He was fourth in baseball with a two seven five ERA, but his WHIP was crazy at point nine six with two hundred innings. So that's it's pretty damn good. Yeah, and he's only like twenty five. I want to say twenty six. Hold up. No, wait. I was looking at his debut on Baseball Reference, which said he was 21. He's not 21 anymore. He's 24, though, so that's that's a young arm with plenty of room for growth still, you would think. Could be a Cy Young candidate. And doesn't hurt having Yachty behind the plate to you know, push you No, it doesn't. No, still, even in his old age, Yachty's still a great pitch framer, a great game manager, and can swing the bat a little bit. 
But let's let's talk a little bit about Carlos Martinez. He's one of the more interesting stories for the Cardinals here this offseason. Uh, we've seen him bounce bounce around and roll a little bit over the last couple of years as injuries have hampered his ability to throw a lot of innings. He's moved to the bullpen. Now the talk seems to be that Carlos Martinez is ready to start again. Do you do you see him as a starter this year, or do you think that he ends up back in the bullpen, Q? I really liked him in the bullpen for some reason, because as the game is evolving, the new rules implemented with the three-batter rule now, but he might have to start with their injuries. If Mikolas is hurt and they're not at full strength, he was an all-star starter at one point, too. But I feel like in that closing role, he had something that I just liked. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll fill in for Adam here and say that I really liked Carlos Martinez in the bullpen last year, too. I mean, he's got electric stuff and swing and miss stuff, which is great at the end of a, of a bullpen. But I think for the same reasons, that's, that's why you want to try and get as much use out of him as you can. And if he can give you a hundred and I don't know, say 140, 150 innings, maybe play that a little conservatively uh, with the injury history. That I think that is gonna gonna further his impact and allow him to win as many games as possible for St. Louis. And you said it too with the injuries. I think that you know out of necessity he might have to be a starter and eat a lot of innings for him. He's the vet too, so you probably need him at least in the early part of the season. But they get very creative, and if they make the playoffs, I can definitely see them messing around with things, you know? Yeah, the creative is right. It's year after year, the Cardinals find the right pieces to plug in, and it's kind of just a next man up mentality where they just, the system works and the pieces may change, but the winning stays the same. They're one of the smarter franchises and one of the most consistent over the last several decades. Most definitely. I wouldn't say Patriots-like, no. but one word to describe them is classy and organized. Absolutely. Now, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the offensive side for the Cardinals. Uh, Goldschmidt had a terrible first half. He ended up having a pretty awesome second half, though. So who's the real Paul Goldschmidt? Can we expect more decline here, or do you think that we'll see kind of a throwback Paul Goldschmidt to the Arizona days. I'm going vintage Goldie. He did so bad last year in the first half that I know he's angry about that because he's a Hall of Fame candidate. He might even be a not a unanimous, but he's 100% a Hall of Famer in my eyes. So he needs to get back to his old form. And I'm sure if he gets hot, it'll come right back to him and he'll run with it. What do you think? Well, I mean, it, it already did. It came back to him at the end of the year last year, and maybe he wasn't quite back to you know his peak self, but he was pretty good, and the end-of-season numbers end up looking pretty strong with 34 homers, 97 runs in RBI. Did bat 260, which is a bit below yeah. his career, 292. Uh, and you see the OPS drop to 821 last season, down from a career mark of 916. So I think we're starting to see the skills erode a little bit for Goldschmidt, but by no means do I think he's done. I think he can still be a pretty uh, impactful bat in the middle of that order for St. Louis. Most definitely. Wong also is a great hitter. He hits the ball really hard, and they are going to need to rely on these two especially. And 
You know, we don't ever talk about defense much, but I, I do want to take the this opportunity to say Harrison Bader plays some pretty yes. awesome uh, center field. Yes. Maybe I not a great hitter. But yeah, he, he's a really fast guy, Can has a whole lot of range, can get anywhere. So that's uh, that's my nice thing I'll say about Harrison Bader. It's like Joe. He's like Joe DiMaggio. He don't. He doesn't need to dive much because he's fast yeah. and he has a great read on the ball. Absolutely. Well, I is there anybody else you want to talk about on the Cardinals before we move on to uh, the best team in the division? Andrew Miller is is pretty up in the air for me because he looked terrible the other day in spring training. He was all over the place. Do you see him maybe filling that closer void if he can get his act, you know, straightened out? I think they like using Miller in more of kind of the flexible swing role, uh, the high leverage situations, as everybody likes to say now. The Hadar role. Right. Uh, But this Gallegos, Gallegos, I believe is how you say it, the the last name, kind of the – the best closer nobody's heard of is a headline I've seen. I mean, he posted some pretty awesome numbers last year. The whip was like around a .8. ERA was two-something uh, elite strikeout numbers and over a strikeout per inning. So I think – and I'm glad you brought us back to the bullpen here, Q. They do have probably the strongest bullpen in the division, uh, and not just those two guys we discussed – you have uh, John Gant is another really strong arm there. Yes. And Jordan Hicks, uh, he's hurt right now, working his way back from the elbow or shoulder. 60 day, something with yeah, his arm. 60 day IL. Yeah. He, he, just throws, he just throws lasers, so eventually gets a little tired, you know? And Alex Reyes, too, was one of the better pitching prospects in the game before uh, he had a Tommy John's injury a couple years ago. So he's still trying to work his way back up and try and stretch out the arm a little bit, throw some more innings. But for now, could be an impactful bullpen arm. We'll leave it at this. Like I said, injuries will dictate their season and their approach. If Hicks can get healthy, their bullpen straightens out. Martinez will be a starter. All right, let's talk about them. I know you want to talk about them the whole episode. Oh, yeah. It's Cubby time. The Cubs. I remember when we swept the Cubs in, uh, what was that, 2015, right? Nice Yeah, Daniel. Oh, Murphy turned into like. Daniel Cussword Murphy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Murphy turned into like like the demigod of all demigods that, that postseason. Oof. Yeah, I don't know if uh, if we're an f bomb podcast we are or not, but we if are we, not, were, we are not. All right, okay. Just just know that I would use that between Daniel and Murphy as, as his middle name of sorts. Just know, but, just know that Daniel Murphy is a gangster. I'll always love him, even when he's on the Nationals. That man that year had me just loving life because he would just get up, and you knew I was coming. Dinger, dinger. Dinger. I don't know how many he hit. I think seven or eight. But it was oh, it was an electric time. Yeah, and he redeemed himself to me a little bit when he came to the Cubs at the end of last – not last year, 2018 now. And was, uh, was a spark for us in an ultimately disappointing season. But let's talk about the 2020 Cubs. All the chatter this offseason about trading Chris Bryant – uh, and a lot of that kind of stemming from the thought that the Cubs window is closed, that 
they're not able to compete or contend anymore. And it was a disappointing end to 2019. But I don't really buy into that, that the Cubs can't compete, that the window is closed. And I think holding on to Bryant is is perhaps a sign that the front office feels the same way. I agree. I just mess around with you. But it goes back to my point about Yelich. Chris Bryant is getting to his prime. If he has a bananas year, you can't see him somewhat competing with Yelich a little bit. Not saying he's better, but... Chris Bryant is one of the best players in baseball when he's right. Yeah, I would love to, to see him compete with Yelich. If he does that, then the Cubs will be in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, Direct it's worth, correlation. Worth talking about, too, that especially now that he's the leadoff man, that David Ross has said ah, he's going to be – I hate that. I hate that. I kind of like it. Good, it's such a trend that like, – I understand you want to get one of your best hitters on base all the time. And get him more at-bats. More at bats, but then you got Barnes in scoring position left on base a lot. I and I, I hate it. I feel like when they bat Trout first, even though he's fast, ah, he, three three hole. That's where they should bat. And Trout Trout is going to bat lead off this year too. It sounds like, but yep. the the thing that scares me with Bryant in the leadoff spot, although I do like it overall, I think he's going to. I'll say what I like first. I like that. He's going to get on base and set the table for Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras. And it's not like just because you're batting leadoff, all the power in your swing suddenly evaporates. No, it's not the power. No, no. It's the crucial games and the situations that you might miss out on. I agree. I wasn't saying that that you were – What about Baez first? He swings too much. I love Javi, but Javi has never drawn a walk in his life. He, yeah, uh, he didn't because Bryant's got a little more Walken's on this. Walking's not fun. Walking's not fun. Baez is fast, though, right? He is fast. Baez, it could give you 20 steals. But Chris Bryant is actually deceptively fast himself. He could give you 10, 15 steals. And aside from kind of – it's not so much a speed thing versus he is one of the best. Like, he's a heads-up base runner. He knows how to get around the bases efficiently and effectively. And that makes him kind of deceptively fast. But I do worry about him not getting RBI opportunities because the bottom of the Cubs lineup may be a little shaky. Uh, Top-heavy team. Yeah. And Hayward was better last year, but then it's – at second base, maybe it's Jason Kipnis. I mean, Ian Happ's going to play there. David Bodie's going to play there. But none of those are super high-end bats at the bottom of that lineup. So you got to worry a little bit about wasting the power of Bryant, but with how abysmal the Cubs' leadoff spot was last year, that, that spot actually had the worst on-base percentage of any spot in their lineup other than the pitcher spot. I think you had to do something. Who, who played? Make, who, who let off? Who it was uh, it was by committee. Schwarber batted there and was terrible there. Oh hey, my god! Hayward batted. Ever. Hayward was there and was terrible. Almora was there. Pretty much anybody who batted in the leadoff spot, that was when they played their worst games, when when we needed them to set the table. I like Brian in the two-hole or the five-hole because there are two trains of thought. You like having your best player on base. I understand that. But when there's ducks on the pond, you got to send those ducks home. And when you miss out on those opportunities, that's when the heat really starts to come down on you. 
I agree, but I think there might be enough power between Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, and Contreras that they can make up for it. At least I hope so. No, there there is potential for that. But if it all starts going bad, I probably would want Bryant up in a clutch situation or Rizzo. It's close. Yeah. Who would you pick? Uh I would lean more towards Rizzo. I love KB. I love all the Cubs, full discretion. But I think Rizzo has been a little better for us in, in clutch situations. I'm yeah, like, He's bad against lefties, though, right? He hits lefties pretty well for a, for a left-hander. Doesn't usually hit him with a whole lot of power, but he crowds the plate so hard that he makes it really tough for a left-handed pitcher to – Kind of just to, to you know to get that inside half of the plate to where and then he's reaching out and he's able to extend get some power on anything on the outside. He Riz- has a good eye. He has a good eye too, right? Yeah, he, he draws a lot of walks. That's why a lot of people like Rizzo in the leadoff spot. Uh, but yep, segue segue to my point. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would have made more sense. So, but you know, it's not set in stone. David Ross can change it as the season goes. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about pitching for the Cubs. And they bring in Craig Kimbrell last year in June or July. I think it was June. And he has his worst season of his career. Any any bounce back potential for Craig Kimbrell this year? Most definitely. It was the Edwin Diaz of the Cubs. But I must say about Kimbrell, he is a great closer. But when he puts his arms out like... Like, the, his arms are hanging before he goes into his set. That's my favorite part about Craig Kimbrell. I don't know about you. Well, it's awfully cool when he's doing it and when he's a lockdown closer, yeah, automatic in the ninth. But when he's doing that, when he's doing that and then he's getting nailed, giving up all these home runs, then it's kind of dumb. But I think you could say that for a lot of the more the quirky things about baseball. Like, felt that way about Pedro Strope wearing his hat sideways <laughs> last year, too. It's awesome when he's on, but yeah. when, it, when he's not doing his thing, it's like, just, eh. On a serious no. note, his knuckle curve has to be better this year. That's his bread and butter, and he couldn't locate it. And he, his control and was really bad. He was missing high a lot. But that happens, like you say, all the time. Closer is a erratic position, and I agree 100%. It with is. That. It is, and... Even with that, you know, in mind, he'd been one of the best closers in baseball for the last decade. And I hope that we can explain away last year's uh, troubles by not having a real spring training, by waiting to sign into June and just not being ready to go. But, man, was it ugly last year. Mm. Yeah, he right. gave up Edwin Diaz a- ugly or <laughs> – he gave up a career-high number of home runs in what was, like, a career-low amount of innings. It was pretty ugly. Him and Diaz can duke it out for most disappointing Did closer last year. Did he stay the closer, or they, they yanked him? He did stay the closer. Okay. But he, also, he missed more time, not. too. Diaz, they were like, oh, hell no. They put Lugo hey. in there, everyone threw the ship at it. <laughs> Diaz had a full year to lose the job, though. If Kimbrell would have pitched like that for a whole season, he might have lost it, too. Most definitely. And it's disappointing mutually when we give all this money to these people and they just forget how to throw a baseball when they come to our cities. It absolutely is. But speaking of throwing a baseball, 
What about the Cubs' starting rotation? It once was such a strong spot for this team when 2016 when they won that World Series, and now it's a little bit worrisome as a Cubs fan. It, it's definitely not as strong as it used to look. What, what's your take on it, Q? I think the Cubs' rotation, if healthy and doing well, can be the best rotation in the division simply because they have a mixture of veteran greatness and they also have people that keep the ball down i like lester darvish is very up and down he's an x factor for sure hendrix is good sinker bowler keeps the ball low quintan is more the same chatwood don't know much about him but i wouldn't say that's their glaring problem the cubs well, I, I'm actually feeling better about it now that I hear you say that. Just I, kidding. They no, suck. I thought, uh, <laughs> yeah, you've been ripping on the Cubs all day, and now you're going to talk about our pitchers. Nice. That makes me feel yeah, better. Just on paper. But, you know, look, it looks good, it, but, you know. It's, it's not bad. I mean, it's not like 2016 Cubs good, but, you know, there's there's upside there. And you Darvish had an amazing second half. Hopefully that's closer to the real you Darvish. You know, just want him to stay on the field after all the injuries and all the the trouble with the pitch pitch uh, what you call it pitches being tipped in the World Series yes. with Los Angeles. But you know, I love Kyle Hendricks. He's a great control guy. We really, I think it comes down to Quintana and Lester bouncing back from pretty disappointing 2019s for each of them. You know, they've got to be better if the Cubs are going to have a chance to win this division. Not going to gas you up, but looking at their depth chart, um, they got a chance to maybe win the division. But it's, uh, I'd say, 50% chance. I think this is the tightest division in baseball, I got to say. I mean, it's not the best division, yes, per se. I, I know what you're saying. I'm, like, the talent's similar. That yeah, that sense? top four teams, yeah. Any of those top four feasibly could win it, maybe with the exception of the Brewers. I don't think they're quite there. Me too. I mean, the Cubs, I probably give them the slight edge for no small reason due to my personal bias. Uh, I know the Reds have gotten a lot better. I, I am afraid yeah, of the Reds. Yeah, but they're like the hype. They're, 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 you know, they're the hype pick. I had to hype them up, but if you have a team that's been there, and you have people like Rizzo and Bryant, who didn't have the best of years. If they have better years, and Schwarber, and they got a little bit of depth. They got Souza Jr., they got Amora, they got Hap. And they have a young man named, what's his name again, Nick Horner? Nico Horner. Oh, Nico Horner. I have his rookie card, so go out and get that, folks. But... He is supposedly really good, and I want to see him out there. And I don't think we'll see Nico at the very beginning of the season. I think we got to manipulate that service time just a little bit. I'm kind of hesitating as I say that because he did come up at the end of the year last year. So I'm not sure if we still can manipulate his service time. But if they can, I'm sure they'll find a way. But yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating that it's kind of, it's the same core as 2016 for the Cubs, and then last year was so disappointing. You know, we just we need those guys to to get back to what we know they can do. It happens. Yeah, it happens. That's why they didn't do anything yeah. clear because they have a good plan. They have a good chemistry. But just sometimes people miss the ball. Sometimes people aren't as productive. 
But then other years, it worked. The sport wouldn't be as much fun if everybody knew it was coming. Well, then everybody would be the, the Houston Astros. Astros. Yeah, there we go. You, you caught my drift there. Well, nah, I'm not well Q, <laughs> before we get out of here, how about we do a real quick run-through of win total over-unders for the division? How's that sound? Sounds great. And we got an update on Adam. He says, oh, yeah? yeah, he just told me he had to leave because he realized the Yankees are front-running money-spending clowns. Yeah. Words of oh. Adam, guys. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something Adam would say, but I'll take your word on it. I mean, if it, it, sound, it must be true if you heard it on the pod here, folks. Yeah, it is true because lots of hype, just like the Reds. Just kidding, <laughs> Yankees fans. Don't, you know, send me anthrax or kill me. So oh. let's get into it. <laughs> Please don't do that. But let's start with Reds. 85 and a half is that win total. Q, you going over or under? Under. I'm kind of inclined to go over there. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's go over. I'd say the Reds win 86, 87. They made some good moves. But Cardinals, 86 and a half. Healthy or not healthy? Um, I mean, injuries are going to happen. Let's say they're no no less healthy than any other team in the division. I would say right around that mark, a little bit over. Yeah, I'm like talking through this coming in today. I was thinking I might take the cards to win the division. I don't know if their lineup is quite strong enough. I do like their pitching. I'm going to go under 86.5. I think they're about an 85-win team, personally. Yeah, right around that mark. But uh, we got the Cubs now. Oof, this should be interesting. Cubs at 85.5 is what I'm seeing here. You go first. Yeah, I'm taking over all day. Oh, which, surprise, surprise. I know, I know. The bias is there, but I like us to win 90 games. I like to digest through episodes, read all my information. I'm going to have to go uh, over. I changed my mind. I think the Cubs bounce back this year. And I hate to say it, they might win the division. Let's go. I love to hear it. You may Wanna hate to say why? it. But... Want to know why, though? Why? The Reds are that new hype team. They could be really, really good. But chemistry takes a while to create. And the Cubs, they might have stinky years. But they know each other. They played with each other, and chemistry is super undervalued to me. Yeah, I think that might be might be something that people are forgetting about. That these guys do have that postseason and World Series experience. But Brewers eighty three and a half. What do you say? Under. I'm kind of inclined to say under too. Maybe this is the year the the bottom kind of falls out for Milwaukee and. It's pretty much Yelich, Hira, and Woodruff. Oh, I mean, Josh Hader, too. But how much can you really do as, as a relief pitcher? You're not playing – well, I guess you mean playing close to every day. But all right, he all right. You can blow games in the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, Josh Hader is really good. I don't want to end on a sour no, note I love on, Hader. on him. I love Hader. I just have to, I have to make jokes, yeah. but he's great. I love him on the Mets. Uh, Pirates, 69 and a half. Might think I'm crazy. A little bit over because weirder things have happened. Weirder things have happened. I'm going under. Pirates are buns. But we'll see. We'll, we'll keep track and we'll check back when the season's over. 
But Q, I think that is about all the time we have tonight. So thank you for joining me in talking about the NL Central. And uh, thank you also for missing The Bachelor. I know that was tough. Oh, I'm so mad I missed The Bachelor. Oh, nah. well, there's always <laughs> next year and The Bachelorette too. I'm just kidding, viewers. I don't really watch this stuff, but, you know, I thought it was topical. He is not kidding. He's not yeah. kidding, guys. I pretty much only, pretty much only watch sports it. as far as cable goes. But speaking of which, I'm headed to, headed to go see sports live tomorrow. I'm headed to Lexington to see my Kentucky Wildcats take on Tennessee. Oh, that should be a good game, folks. But better than Desperate Housewives and The Bachelorette or whatever it's called, The Bachelor? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving the slight edge to the cats there. Nice. But thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been the Exit VLO podcast, and we will catch you next time. Peace.